Well, thanks everyone for being here. This is a really exciting day. I hope you're all as excited as I am. We love data and that's what brings us all together today. Today, um, I found out that they're not doing video recording, but they are doing audio recording. So for the sake of my posterity, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a double backflip and land on my pinky. And when I do that, I need everyone to cheer as loud as you can, okay? Ready? One, two, three, double backflip, land on my pinky. All right, I can't take credit for that joke. That comes from one of my favorite comedians, but thanks for that. Now my kids will know I can do a double backflip and land my pinky. I'm gonna to talk to you today about a CFO's playbook for running on data. By a raise of hands, who here sits in the finance department or works with CFOs at all? Awesome, this is great. I wanna tell you about a little story that happened to me about two to three weeks ago. So I live in a place called Utah, in Lehigh, Utah, and where I live, it's very, very dry. <laughs> and it's so dry that we don't really have to worry about rain for most of the year until you get to around September-ish, September-October-ish. So I knew that I needed to get a new pair of windshield wipers, so I went to Walmart and I bought the most expensive pair of windshield wipers that there are. Just in case you're wondering, that's the Rain-X brand. And they're about 16 bucks for each of those little windshield wiper rubber band strips. Those windshield wipers, I was so excited to install them and get them working. I went out to the car, put it onto the vehicle, got the little hook thingy on, and then I went to work that day. I was so excited that it started raining, I turned on the windshield wipers and nothing happened. And I was super frustrated. And it was a little bit dangerous, quite honestly. So here I am driving and the windshield wipers are going, but it's just kind of wicking the water right and left and I can barely see what's happening in front of me with the cars. And I'm thinking to myself, this is bad. <laughs> this is really, really bad. I can't see and I don't know what's going on. Luckily, I made it to work. It's only a six minute drive from where I live to where I work. So I get to work, I immediately text my wife, telling her how frustrated I was. She knows how happy and how geeked out I was about these windshield wipers. And she kind of chuckles and laughs back in some text messages. That night, we go home, we switch places, I'm watching the kids, she goes grocery shopping, uh, and then switch places again, she's putting one of the kids to bed, I'm going to bed, and I put my phone on my desk, next to my, my nightstand next to my bed, and there's this nice little note that's sitting on the nightstand, and it reads, sweetheart, I figured out why your windshield wipers weren't working. And guess what was on my nightstand? That little yellow strip. That little yellow strip was sitting on my nightstand staring back at me, along with this loving note from my sweet wife. I felt like a complete fool. <laughs> it was one of those uh-oh moments where you just go, dang it. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about what that yellow tip mentality can do to you if you're in the CFO position or if you work with someone in that position and how we helped four different CFOs walk through a data strategy. Right, So the yellow tip mentality is what's something I like to talk about in terms of thinking of your data as a liability instead of your asset. So if you're an IT person, walk into your CFO's office and ask him, what's your data strategy? Or vice versa. If you're the CFO, walk into your IT person's office and ask them, what's your data strategy? I can almost guarantee that one thing they're going to say is, well, we don't want anyone to get access to our data. We want to make sure that it's secure. We certainly don't want it leaked out online. We can't afford to have what happened to Experian or some of these other large companies happen to us. There's a big difference with that yellow tip mindset 
of not properly removing that mindset from your company, from yourself and your organization. It's easier to build a data viz or a data, a data dashboard than it is to build a data culture, but that's key to getting there. You've got to remove that yellow tip mentality. The other thing that I want to point out from that story of mine is that it can be dangerous. I'm going to tell you a story later about a company that quite frankly was running a little bit rampant by not using the data that they had properly. The next thing I want to tell you about is kind of the reasons why. Why data and why you should be thinking about moving to the cloud. It's 55% more expensive to have on-premise hardware and software than it is to move it into the cloud. This is according to a study that Gartner did where they're measuring this over a three-year period of time for any size of company. So if you imagine you're spending $400,000 on your on-premise software and hardware resources, you're gonna save close to $220,000 over the long term. Not to mention these software providers like the beloved Tableau conference that we're at today are pushing everything into the cloud. They're making it more expensive to stay on-premise. Another statistic. Microsoft MVP, Greg Deckler, went and did some research to find out what is the cost, the actual cost, of having one server on-premise versus one server in the cloud. And then he multiplied that by a number of servers that make sense. And this is the number that it comes up to. $126,000 more expensive to host your data in your own internal environment versus having it in the cloud. Again, I just want to emphasize that and drive that point home that part of your data strategy needs to be moving to the cloud. And if you're not considering it, you're kind of running that risk that I was with those windshield wipers. Even the Forbes magazine has started to match or monitor 100 plus cloud companies. All right, here's the playbook to running on data. Again, this is referencing another study by Gartner where they walk you through five different levels of what it's like to go from a no data strategy to an absolute data strategy or no I, no intelligence, to BI and then from BI to AI, right? BI being business intelligence, AI being artificial intelligence. So over here on the left-hand side, you've got crazy things like one-off requests, spreadsheets, uh, information anarchy, and it goes all the way over to the right-hand side where finally in the top right-hand corner you've got business strategy and data-driven decisions. One of the first steps that everybody makes, and it's an important step, is to get a viz tool like Tableau. The next thing that needs to happen in that journey is you've got to have some business executive, some business leader, adopt this idea of needing a BI strategy. Then you've got to have that person or yourself, whoever it is, stay the course. You can't give up. You've got to keep going and pushing through. You've got to continue to get quick wins here and there. Then again, the CFO's playbook. This is why we talk about this. The CFO or the COO in Gartner's research finds that that is where you start to make that critical transition from enterprise to transformative and actual business strategy is now data driven. But again, I want to emphasize and call out that getting the Viz tool, getting Tableau is the beginning. This is where the journey starts. Real quick, how many of us use Tableau on a daily or weekly basis? Okay, and we love it, right? It's fantastic. But again, I just can't emphasize this enough. This is the beginning of the journey. 
So what does the rest of the journey look like? What are the technical and practical steps? Again, I want to emphasize this. It's easier to build a data viz than it is to build a data-driven culture. This is huge. You've got to start seeing quick wins. If you're not a believer, if you're not someone that gets it, that gets data, if you're not the creator, you're just a viewer, a consumer, it's hard for you to understand what the power of data actually is. It's hard to make that transition. And so in a lot of ways, and this is what we help a lot of companies do, is overcome this cultural barrier of what is data, I've got to protect it, it's actually an asset. Real quick, I want to talk about who we are as a company. And to do that, let me introduce myself. My name's John Daniels. I got super excited about data and analytics when I was back in undergraduate. Um, I remember one class in particular, I can remember it very vividly. It was the first day that the professor introduced Tableau. And he started walking through building different dashboards and how easy it was. And at that point, I came back to school like Hermione Granger. I was the first person to raise my hand every time there was a question. And we started going through things like regression analysis, decision trees, random forests, and machine learning algorithms. All of those types of things that get classified as AI. That's a little bit about me. I geek out about this stuff, and I'm so glad that so do you. This is how I feel about data. Who are we as a company? We're Ide Bailey. Ide Bailey is pronounced like this, Ide, as in I'd like to work with you. Or I'd like help with Salesforce. We're Salesforce Gold Partners. I'd like help with Tableau. We're also Tableau partners. Or I'd like help with my data strategy. So then, now that you know how to pronounce the name, let me tell you about who we are. We're a 100-year-old accounting firm, and we love it. We've got 45 offices in 15 different states, basically everything left to the west, miss, um, west of the Mississippi. And you can see on the map up here, the blue dot, or the blue states are the places where we do accounting work, and the yellow dots are the places where we have physical offices. We do things like accounting services, tax services, R&D tax credits. We get CFOs, trust me. We geek out about that kind of stuff. And we love taking accountants and CPAs and converting them. We often find that when you meet an accountant or a CPA who's converted over to data, the gateway drug is often that they've automated a couple of things in Excel, and then they start doing stuff in VBA. And then it's just a matter of time before they discover a viz tool like Tableau, and then they're on their way. We find that happens a lot in our company and a lot with the CFOs that we work with as clients. This is the other part of our business. This is the part that I sit under and my team here at our booth that we sit under. We sit under technology consulting. We have over 200 experienced consultants in Salesforce, in Tableau. We're NetSuite Partner of the Year. We're a Boomi Partner of the Year. And we do a bunch of other work in other software vendors. Again, that same map across the bottom, but in this case, the technology consulting business has done business in every state except for two, Maine and Mississippi. Nothing against those states, we just haven't had any clients there yet. Anyone here from Maine or Mississippi that wants to be my next client? Okay, we'll get there, we'll find you. All right, time to learn a little bit of terminology so that you understand what the next and practical steps are, the technological steps. It's gonna feel like we're splitting hairs a little bit, and there's a lot of text on this slide, and I apologize for that. It's not my favorite way to do it, but I couldn't think of a better way to get this information to you. So really quick, let me ask the question, what is a data lake? And now let's answer that question. It's a centralized repository where all of your ETL gets put into. This removes the burden from source systems, so you're not directly accessing those source systems and slowing them down in production. It's also going to support APIs and business applications, 
It's going to support folks like myself, data scientists who build machine learning algorithms. It's going to help with any sort of auditing function. And this is the key differentiator kind of across the bottom there. It's supporting a limited number of highly technical folks. There's a really steep learning curve for these people to access the data inside of the data lake. Tools, right? What are some different data lake tools? You've got Snowflake. You've got Amazon S3, probably the most, most popular and most widely known. You've got Microsoft Azure Blob Storage, and you've got Google Cloud Storage. So again, trying to familiarize yourself with some of the tools and the technologies that get used with data lakes and data warehouses. There's a difference, right? So now we're splitting the hairs. Data warehouse is a single source of truth. It's a place where you apply the business logic. We are data warehouse data engineering geeks. We love doing that stuff. Again, the data warehouse is where you put the business logic and it also has all the data governance in there. This is where you have this relationship and conform dimensions. You're also doing all your cleaning and transformation in the data warehouse and you identify what that grain is for whatever KPI you're trying to produce. And then this bolded item across the bottom, this is probably again the easiest way to split the hairs between the two, the two of a data lake and a data warehouse, is this one supports a large number of less technical users. They're not using code, in other words, right? So data warehouse, data lake. These are some data warehousing tools. Snowflake, you'll see that one pop up again. Amazon Redshift, Azure Databricks, and Google BigQuery. These are data warehousing tools that live in the cloud. Again, we emphasize moving to the cloud for all those reasons and those financial numbers we gave you at the beginning. Really, really important. I want to emphasize this again, just so you can see the difference between a data lake and a data warehouse. Again, I apologize for all the text, but this is the best way I could figure out to distill this information and give it to you in as less technical way as possible. So again, a data lake focuses on centralization. It focuses on transactional and raw, unchanged data. So you're just copy, pasting that data in an ETL pipeline and it sits inside of the data lake. Common uses, once again, KPI, audits, data science, API and business apps get supported here. Again, a recap on data warehousing. Focuses on accuracy, right? Accessibility, actionability, and organization. Common use cases, right? Folks that are accessing data in the data warehouse, there's no code. Right? They're not coding to access that data. They're just connecting to it. Think of connecting Tableau to this huge data warehouse where you've got all your data just like you want it in those little pillboxes. No code, custom reports, dashboards, scorecards, and data science can also access this as well. Again, I want to just emphasize these two points. A data lake supports a small number of highly technical folks, whereas a data warehouse is going to support a large number of non-technical folks or less technical folks, no coding. That's probably the easiest distinction. So if you remember nothing else from today's talk, you'll at least be able to talk like we do and talk about the differences between data lakes and data geeks. Sorry, data warehouses like us data geeks. <laughs> okay, now the strategy. Here's what a full stack data analytics strategy should look like. From left to right, you've got your data sources. That can be things like Tableau, Zendesk, Microsoft Excel Workbooks, Google Ad, and so on and so forth, a litany of other tools. Then you've got data pipelines and data lakes. Again, those ETL processes, extract, transform, load, or what's happening more common in today's industry is extract, load into a data lake, transform inside of a data warehouse. So ETL, ELT, that's kind of switching with modern technologies. 
And this is where the Enterprise Data Warehouse sits. The Enterprise Data Warehouse and the Data Lake supports things like machine learning or data scientists. Again, those data scientists can grab the data from the Data Lake or from the Data Warehouse. And then finally, the Data Viz, right? Tableau, where it sits and all of it gets put together. From left to right, this is what a full stack data analytics strategy should look like, okay? So this is the ideal. How do you get there? What are the practical steps? Well, this is how we like to view the world, and it's also something that Gartner references. Internally, we like to call it crawl, walk, and run. Gartner calls it hindsight, insight, and foresight, and they really kind of classify it uh, based on a couple of different questions and the types of questions you're answering. I personally believe that this was heavily influenced by a gentleman named Thomas Davenport who wrote a number of influential books on analytics. But you can go look that up and fact check it for yourself. So first, crawling, as we like to call it at Ide Bailey. Are you crawling on data, walking on data, or running on data? So if you're crawling on data, usually you're going to classify yourself in this category if you're answering these types of questions. What happened and why did it happen? Kind of that descriptive and diagnostic question. If you're walking on data, you're going to answer the next set of questions. Why did it happen and what will happen? You're starting to ask some predictive questions. Even if you're not using predictive models necessarily, maybe your finance team is kind of saying 20% of last year and your sales folks are giving you budgets based and forecasts based on what they think is going to close before the fiscal quarter, right? But basically asking those questions that are more predictive and diagnostic. That's walking on data. And then finally running on data, right? What will happen and how can we make it happen again? And what's interesting is you go to larger organizations, you'll find that parts of the organization are running on data, while other parts of the organization are crawling or even fumbling on data, right? They're answering those bottom two questions or trying to, but they don't even have any automated or repeatable process to get there. I want to tell you a couple of stories. I told you I was going to talk about four stories of four different companies. So the first company was fumbling on data, as we like to call it, right? One plus one does not equal three. I'm going to tell you that story. This is a beloved client of ours. Their name is Black Clover. They're a golf apparel brand. They're about 12.8 million and 30, 30 employees and growing. They're in Draper, Utah, just up the road from us. And they had a couple of different data sources. They're migrating from QuickBooks to NetSuite. That's a kind of a graduation process, as we like to call it in the business world. And they also had some homegrown applications. You can see the way that they had purchased and started their tool and their journey was with the Viz tool, Tableau. They connected it directly to their ERP system. And then it was supporting some of their users. They were running on no eye or no intelligence, and they had really improper use of data slash Tableau. They weren't quite using either properly. Connecting to a core system directly is not performant. And what resulted in that, they actually ended up firing their top salesperson completely firing them. But the worst part is they didn't know it until we came in to help them look at the data properly. I'm going to come back to this story, but I just want you to understand what it's like to be fumbling on data. And more important than the shock factor of, oh my gosh, how can you fire your top salesperson? I want you to think introspectively for a second. What about you? What poor decisions or non-data non driven decisions are you making? Or worse, what data-driven decisions are you making, but it's not based on the truth? Are you firing your top sales reps? Are you sending off the wrong financial statements? What about you? What are the mistakes you're making? You may not even be aware. We're going to come back to this story. The next one is a client called Kodiak Cakes. 
If any of you shop in Costco, you've probably seen this brand. We love it. It's a fantastic company. They're a national retail brand making all kinds of cakes and cake products. About 100 employees and growing about $100 million in revenue. They're headquartered in Park City, Utah, and the data sources they're dealing with is QuickBooks, NetSuite, Spins, and some Airtable data, some custom data they had together. So this, again, is how they were accessing the data, directly to those performance systems, production systems. And then they're feeding out one business unit, the finance team in this case, right? We're grateful that the finance team was leading the charge because usually they've got the purse strings and they've got the idea for what they want to happen. They were only supporting one business unit though. The solution that we offered was to come in and build a data lake and a data warehouse and connect that to the Viz tool. That immediately alleviated a lot of the performance problems that they were having and we were able to automate with those data pipelines everything that was taking place and put that into the business logic inside of the data warehouse. All that business logic got stored there. So now when they wanted their reports, it was extremely performant and it was very fast. The results is that all of those financial tasks that the finance team was dealing with were automated and they were servicing one business unit, right? So we say that they went from walking to crawling on data. Or, I'm sorry, from fumbling to crawling on data. Now we're talking about a company called StorageCraft and they were walking on data. This one's a really cool story. So they're a data backup and recovery provider um, and they're a fully managed solution. Uh, they compete against, um, think of like Dropbox, but for enterprises and they do that very well. About 300 employees, 72.5 million uh, locations in Utah, the Bay Area, UK, and Australia, and their data sources were Microsoft, uh, Navivision, Salesforce, and some homegrown applications, kind of their, their core system that they use to run their business. This one is really cool, because they were also doing the same type of thing, but their data was living in different applications. So it was siloed in Salesforce, Microsoft, and their homegrown applications. They're having to pull that data together manually, either throw it into some Excel workbooks and then feeding it into Tableau. They were supporting three different business units, but really it wasn't performant. The reason we like this story so much is because we came in and implemented a data lake and within one week, they started to see some results. Within one week of implementing a data lake, just by offloading that performance-based, those production systems, they were able to see that relift. They were servicing more than, uh, I think, two or three or four different business units. So this was a fantastic story. Now the last one is a, a multinational um, pharmaceutical company called Biofire. They've got about 1,200 employees. They're located in Utah and also in France. And they're about $26 billion in revenue. They've got a really cool um, patent on flu testing technology. Um, their data sources were SAP, Salesforce, and some homegrown applications and homegrown different places that they were working with. The main issues that they were facing was migrating from SAP. Their home, their parent company was mandating that that happen. All the data was living in, again, those different performance-based, uh, those production softwares, right? So they're having to go out and manually grab that data, pull it together. That's extremely time-consuming for a company of that size. They had purchased Tableau, but it really wasn't unified. Um, underneath the data strategy. You had different teams with different viz tools and different teams using different methods to feed those viz tools. So the solution here was to actually get them a cloud data lake and a cloud enterprise data warehouse. This also helped them support their data science team, which was extremely fascinating for them. The results, they ended up with data dictionary, data lake, data warehouse, um, and they were even servicing that data science team. 
Uh, the folks on our team that created that data dictionary had a fun time trying to read the German uh, that SAP has all their documentation in to create that for them. They're servicing multiple business units, up to five to eight different business units. This is an, a great example of a company who is now running on data. They have implemented the data lake and the data warehousing strategy properly. We've helped them do that, and now they are literally running on data. They've even got their data science team cooking. I want to go back to this story with Black Clover. We talked about who they are. We talked about the problem that they're facing, where they were really stifling their progress by firing the top sales rep and their, and their best people. I'm really proud to say that we've helped them go from fumbling on data to now what I would call sprinting on data. They've implemented the data lake, they've implemented the enterprise data warehouse, and now we're in the process of helping them build some machine learning algorithms to help them predict manufacturing demand so that they can stay ahead of that curve. This is a really exciting story for us and for you because I hope it shows you what you can do when you're sprinting or running on data and you've implemented the data strategy properly and you own that. They went, again, kind of from that no intelligence to the business intelligence and from the business intelligence now we're pushing them towards the artificial intelligence. In my closing, I just want to say I work with some awesome people. Come and see us. We are awesome. We help companies go from no I to BI and from BI to AI. Very simply put, we offer, generally speaking, four services. Data strategy, data warehousing, business intelligence, and data science. This is our shameless plug. Uh, we're trusted partners with Salesforce and Tableau and the litany of other companies that we walked you with. We also have a service that's a data warehousing as a service or a DWAS as we like to call it. We also do data integrations. It's a done for you data warehouse and you really got to check it out. It's cool. The last thing is also a shameless plug. Come see us at booth 547, set up a free discovery and you have a chance to win some Bose headphones. With that, I want to thank you for your time. Thanks for being here, everyone, and I'll take any questions you have.